0: Well we have, uh, we have been in a uh, series this, this year looking through first Peter, and uh, we've over the last two weeks we've gotten through the first chapter, and we spent a little more time on the first chapter because it, it sort of s- serves as the topic for the, uh, the uh, English teachers help me. What's the uh, uh, thesis? Thank you. It, it's sort of the, the idea for the whole rest of the thing and basically what we've what we've come to is number 1 there's a god who loves us and he loves us enough not to not to judge us based on who we are and what we do but instead of turning his back on us instead of of sending us to hell instead of starting over he offered us a relationship a relationship through his son jesus christ a relationship that changes us that saves us it's called salvation it's it's we are lost we we are we are dying and God puts his hand out and says you can be mine. And not only can we it, not only can we have a relationship we become actually his children. He raises us up into this this elevated relationship uh, which we could never expect. He he gives us a new start a new life. Last week we talked about not only does he make us his children but he makes us like him. That we can be holy. That we can, uh, that we can, that we are holy. That's, that's a term that makes us feel uncomfortable. But what we talked about is holy is where God is. Holy is what God touches. Holy is what God does. And so if you have allowed Him in, if you have accepted that hand of salvation, if you have, if you have accepted that relationship where you can be His child, you are holy. Not because you're special, not because you did something that no one else did, but because where God is, it's holy. And God has said, I am with you always. I will never leave you or forsake you. You can't you can't send me out. As much as you sin, I'm still there. Cancer doesn't get rid of me. Sickness doesn't get rid of me. Even the very powers of hell cannot get rid of me. I will be there. I, I, I am there. And so, because I am holy, you can be holy. So that's where we've been. Now we move into chapter two, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna read through this whole section, and then we'll come back in, and, uh, sort of pick it apart. So, we're in chapter two, beginning in verse one. So, get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit. "'hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. "'Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk "'so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. "'Cry out for this nourishment "'now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. "'You are coming to Christ, "'who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. "'He was rejected by people, "'but he was chosen by God for real honor. "'And you are living stones "'that God is building into a spiritual temple.'" What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I'm placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him, but for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet their fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you had received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Whenever you start a text with so, let's go back to verse 1. Whenever you start a text with so, it, it means we're coming to a conclusion. Based on what I have just said, so, this is what you need to do. And so as we start off, we need to go back to what I said at the beginning. God has a relationship for you. God has offered you salvation. God has... Made it so that you can be holy. God has made you his child. He is, you, you are not limited to who you were or your mistakes. There is a, there is a place that God wants to take you that is beyond anything you could do on, on your own. So, okay. So with that in mind, get rid of all your evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Okay, let me just stop for a minute. Look at that list. You're in there somewhere, okay? If you're like me, you're in there multiple ways. Maybe it's it just depends on what time of day it is. But you're in there. We're all in there, okay? What he's saying is from the very beginning, if we're going to move in this new life, if you're going to accept salvation, then leave the old life behind. That that list, that is human nature. We're selfish. We're self-centered. We, will, we like to pick at others. We like to say mean things about others so we feel better about ourselves. We love to... Have you ever noticed... Look at that list again. Have you ever noticed it's a lot easier to find other people who fit those categories and admit than we do it ourselves? Uh, by definition, we're hypocrites. How many of us sit up at night and go... Ooh, I'm a hypocrite. But we are happy to point our finger at someone else and go, they are hypocrites. We, we are not honest with ourselves. And so he starts out, and, and you, need to, you need to go with me here if you're going to get the, the brunt of the text here. If you're going to accept the salvation, it includes a life change. It includes a change of direction. It's, it's not just about making small changes in your life. This is, this comes to the very core of who we are. So, if you're gonna accept salvation, if you're gonna become a child, if you're going to be adopted in, if you are gonna be holy as He is holy, there, everything's gonna change. Okay? Verse two, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness as new creations, as starting new, we're just like, there's a lot of analogies between the way we grow physically and spiritually. And he's saying as babies, y'all need some good milk. Okay. Think about it. A baby, milk and diapers, two essential ingredients for a baby's growth. You cry to get milk. You cry because the milk has gone through the system and you need a clean one, right? That, that's, that's the whole life cycle of a, of a baby. And what he's saying is, if you're going to grow in this, if you want the full experience of salvation, and let, let me just say, a contemporary Christianity, the 20th century, 21st century Christianity is not the full experience of salvation. If, if you think salvation means making you happy so that you feel better about others, that is not the full experience. We're going to find out what the full experience of salvation is. It's, it's giving up myself for him. He says if you want if you want the full experience of salvation, not the not the T V preacher version, not the I pat myself on the back because I happen to have enough gumption to get up this morning. And I'm I'll go with you on that until you go after twelve o'clock when the cowboys kick off, and then you're gonna lose me. I'm keeping that in mind. I got the clock over there. Okay. It's hard to be a Christian during football season, isn't it? Just be glad you don't live on the uh, Pacific Time Zone. It's even worse there. That's why there's so few Christians out there. But... <laughs> but he says, he says, if you want this new life, you need you need the right food. Okay. You've been feeding yourself with selfishness. You need the pure spiritual milk. You you need something if you want to grow holy, you gotta put in holy. If you want if you wanna figure out who got it, you gotta you gotta search. And if you wanna know one of the places, one of the best places to find that, those of you that have one of these books, what's the word in front of Bible? Holy. Right. You know why we say that? What did we say? Where God is, what God is, what God does, what he says, what he touches is holy. This is not an ordinary book. The thing we believe about this book that sets it apart is that God is a part of this. That he interacts in the text that through his Holy Spirit, he's able to touch us, lead us, direct us, mold us, shape us. If you want A holy life, you got to get holy instruction. Keeping in mind that sometimes that picture that this gives is not like what we like. Look back at verse 1. That's nothing that none of us like to hear about ourselves. You're a loser, right? We don't like that. And there's lots of places in this book where it says that. And one of the problems we have with this book is we don't like to accept that. I'm no loser. He's a loser, but I'm not. I don't need a God who saves me. I just need a God who is there when I need Him. Right? This, we need pure spiritual milk if we're going to grow in the new life. Okay, now here we go. If if you're going to be eating to become holy. If you're going to, if you're going to be, if we're going to build a new Christian life, we got to have something good to build it on, right? Now, if you picked up a theme from our music this morning, we're going to continue this through, but we sang this morning, rock of ages. It, it, It has to do with who God is. He's that rock that never moves, That He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That that He doesn't change whether He loves us or not. He doesn't change whether He wants to be involved in creation or not. He doesn't change whether it's convenient or not to put up with us. He is that rock that is always there. That we don't have to go find Him. He finds us. If we are going to build a life that matters, if we're going to build a life that's going to give us that full experience of salvation... If we're going to have that, we've got to build on something that's substantial, okay? Most of us have spent our lives building our our lives around things that move, things that we can't count on, even though you thought you could. From the time you were a little kid, they told you, save your money, save your money, protect your future, protect your future, and... Three years ago, you thought your future was secure. You had a strong portfolio. It was diversified. It was strong. It was in different kinds. of. And then you look at it now, and maybe it's not all gone, but it took a hit, didn't it? Because it moves. You weren't building on something strong. You were building on something that moves. Maybe for some of you, it was your relationships, your your husband, your boyfriend, your, your girlfriend, your wife. Love conquers all. Love will, will be there forever. You know, it, it sounds romantic, makes great movies. But the fact of the matter is, if that's true, why do we have an over 50% divorce rate? Christians even higher than non-Christians. Why? For some of you, you try, you've tried to do it on your family and your kids and they're your responsibility and they are a great priority, but they are not the priority. You cannot build your life around your kids. You cannot build it around your husband. You cannot build it around a job. You cannot build it on anything because all of those things are temporary. They move. There is one thing that has been eternal. There is one thing that has never changed, yesterday, today, or forever. That is God. So, what we're going to be talking about is if we're going to build our life on something, we need to build it on something that we can count on. If we're going to lean into something, we need to lean into the everlasting arms of God. Okay? Let me just give you another. Three years ago, real estate was booming out here. And if you were a realtor, you were like smoking cigars all the time because, I mean, it was just whoo. And that's why we have 1,600 realtors in this church. Because realtors <laughs> in Spicewood, you know, it was oh, yeah, oh, not so great to be a realtor in Spicewood right now, is it? We can No matter how secure you think it is, there is only one thing that doesn't change. And that's what we're going to talk about. Okay. So go with me. Verse four. How do we build this life? You're coming to Christ. Right. People wonder why, why is Jesus so important? Why you got to throw that Jesus stuff at me all the time? It's not because we're trying to be exclusive. It's not because we're trying. It's because this is through whom we're, Who we have this, that sentence got all messed up. This is who we have that relationship through. All right. If you're, if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're dying and if you need to be saved, you're going to grab onto something that's going to pull you out of the water. And I'm sorry, all the self-help things and everything, they might make you feel good for a little while. But this is the thing, from my experience, this is the thing that pulled me out of the water. This is the thing that saved me, that turned me around. And so if I'm going to share something with you, if Paul, if Peter was going to share something with you, if history was going to share, they're going to share with you the thing that works. And that thing that works is a person named Jesus Christ. It's through him that we have this relationship. So he says, you're coming to Christ. And we're going to play with some words here for a minute. Who is the living, read it with me, I want you to go with me here. Who is the living cornerstone? Okay, if you're building something, the cornerstone is what you establish, you get it set right, and if you get that right, all your other angles work out right, conceivably, if you, if you, if you know what you're doing building, right? But the cornerstone, once you get that right, then it allows the, the structure to go up, okay? Okay? I need you to, to think, Peter for a minute here. Let's go back to the gospel. It's Matthew 16 if you want to look at it later. Peter is with the disciples. They're, they're gathered around. Jesus asks a question. Who do people say that I am? Right? Peter gives an answer. You are the Messiah. You're the chosen one. And, God, and Jesus says, you're right. And upon this... Rock, I will build my church. Okay? All right. There's a whole bunch I'm not gonna be able to do justice for this, but I'll give you an idea of it. Okay? We're playing with the term stone rock, okay? Peter in Arabic, Petros, means rock. Okay? Upon this rock, Jesus, the cornerstone, again, stone rock. Church, Jesus says, Peter, I'm upon this. I'm going to build my rock. Well, what was it upon? Was it Peter that he was going to build the church? Well, we're going to find out yes and no. I think the major thing he was talking about is the way my church is going to be built is when people are willing to confess me. It's your confession that I'm going to build that church on. When people are willing to confess me as a cornerstone, the church will come up. It's on that belief that I matter that the church is going to build. But we're also going to see it also has to do with the person, Peter, and us as well, okay? So Jesus is the cornerstone. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. His own people strung him up. His own people turned on him. It was a a bunch of his own people that said, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. But that didn't stop God from his plans. Okay, now here we go. And you are living stone. You got to come on, man. We are never going to get out of here by 12 if you're going to continue this. You are living stone. So not only... Is Peter's name Rock? Your name is Rock. And and guess what? It's, it's your confession that He's going to build the church, but it's also through you that He's going to build the church. He says, You're living stones that, that God is building into His spiritual temple. What's more is you're, you're as holy priests through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. You are the living stones that build up God's temple. we got to stop there because this screams at us what we've been talking about before, that we've had the church thing all wrong. Church is not where we where we come, it's where we go. We are the stones. We build a church wherever we go. It's not a building. These are beautiful stones, and it cost a lot of us it cost a lot of money to put them in here and create this structure but this is not the church that Jesus wanted to build. This is why the modern day church is not the full experience of salvation because we've turned it into a building instead of a people this this is what Peter was trying to get out. You are the you are the church. It's on your confession, your belief that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, and it's on who you are. Did you see what he called you? Not only are you holy, you're priests. I wear my collar to make sure today. You got your your priests. Priests. The definition of a priest is someone who interacts between a holy, untouchable, and noble God to a world that desperately needs the power of that God. They are the go-between. They're the ones that, that present it in a way that the world can accept it. That's that's your job. You are priests. In fact, he's got a whole lot of. You're, you should leave here with a swelled head. If you're you're building on these things, your identity is, you're his children, his heirs, you're holy, you're priests, you're chosen. We, we We got a whole lineage here. You are important to what he's doing. You are the very actual stones that he builds his church with. The church being people coming to him. You're living stones. Okay Through you, the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Think, Old Testament priest, the priest was the one that brought the sacrifice, put it on the altar, burned it. That, you are the one that through your actions, you are bringing a sacrifice to God that pleases God. Well, what's that sacrifice? Well, we'll get into that, but I want you to see this. You are the church. God is not interested in building buildings. We love them. It gives us a, ba- a basis for building up and stuff, but as soon as we go to thinking that this is church, that coming here on Sunday is church, that whatever we do here on Sunday or what. This is not the location of the church. If anything, this is the rock quarry. What we do here is we pull out of the hill, we pull out the rocks, and then it's my job to knock the corners off of you to get you ready for building. Have you ever watched those guys build like this? They're not gentle with it. Oh, I'm sorry, rock, did I hurt you? Oh, did that hurt your feelings, rock? That you this wouldn't fit in, so I had to knock it off? And it's actually not me that does it, that's the Holy Spirit's job. Okay. So, I got 5 minutes. We're going to we're going to move here. Okay? <laughs> he says, verse 9, as the scripture say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor. And anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. This is the one thing in life that you can trust. This is the one thing that will never let you down. Now, does this mean that people won't make fun of you? No, they made fun of him. They're going to make fun of you. Does this mean that life is always going to go the way you want? No. Even Jesus died on a cross. Peter ended up suffering a martyr's death. All of his fa- it doesn't mean comfort at all. What it means is that the things he promised will come true. You will never have that rubbed in your face. That oh, you thought that was uh, you spent your life chasing that. Oh, you feel like an idiot now, don't you? No. This is the one thing that will never dishonor you. Okay. Let's jump down to verse 9. But you, it talks about the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. He's the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. It's not because Peter was trying to say, you're wrong, we're right. It's This is the answer. If you want, If you want the real experience of salvation, if you want to experience what God has, this is the way you do it. And we realize for some it's going to make you trip and fall, that it's about a person. But this is the way it is. And he says in verse 9, but you are not like that. For you're a chosen people. Okay, get ready. I want you to understand your identity. You're royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. This thing that we've accepted, this hand up that he's offered to us, by accepting that we have been elevated and raised up to a place that we couldn't have ever dreamt of or imagined. It's beyond our wildest fantasy of what God has given to us. As a re- you are a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. I'm going to end there. We'll pick up on that next week. But you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. As I was thinking about that this week in relation to what we've been seeing on the news. You've been seeing the stories too. These these people buried in the rubble in Haiti. I mean, can you imagine what the The fear of that, the weight of those buildings on you, the the lack of oxygen, the lack of water, the lack of not knowing, is anybody going to hear me? Am I ever going to get out of this? I don't want to take this point too far and make it seem like I'm being insensitive, but that is a picture of who we are. We don't realize it sometimes. We, We fool ourselves into thinking we've got all our... Stuffed together. But the reality of the situation is we are all dying. We are covered in the rubble of life. We are covered in the rubble of our sin, of our selfishness, of the the things that we've done wrong, of our own self-responsibility and everything else. We are dying. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you wonder, will I ever get out of this? There's some of you that you know what I'm talking about right now. And what, can you imagine then that person who's caught in there in the dark, in the cold, the helplessness and then to see the, the light open. That in the midst of their darkness, can, can you imagine what that would feel like to have the face of a rescuer there and know it was going to be okay? That's the picture that he wants you to take to the world. Because that's exactly what he's done for us. Is in the midst of our destruction, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our mistakes. He sent Jesus, our salvation, our rescue worker, who has been digging through the rubble for us for years. And you didn't think there was a way out and you thought no one was here and you didn't think God cared, but he does. And as he uncovers that and works on it, he extends that hand to you and says, come be mine. And not only be mine, but I want you to be part of what I do. And I, 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 not, just a, just, not just a worker, I want you to be my son and daughter. You're a priest. You're a chosen nation. You are you're my very own possession. He says, the way Peter ends that is, go share that with the world. If you want to know what you do in response to receiving that gift, that's it. You're the living stones. Take and build the church in your world. Build it in your family. Build it in your work. Build it in your community. Build it in your schools. But take your stones and lay them and create something wherever you go. You are